Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode, I'm going to touch on a really sensitive topic, so please consider this a potential trigger warning. What I am going to do is read to you a message that I received from someone in my email, and she wanted some help interpreting her dog's behavior because she was pretty horrified by it. So I'm going to begin this show today by reading what she said, and then I would love to dive in to it with you and see if we can break down the behavior a little bit so that it is something that we can understand. So here goes. Yesterday at the beach, my dog reacted in a way that I had never seen her act before with a child. This dog has been around my kids, neighbor kids, my nieces, so many people. But please do not come for me when I say this. We are all white. I live in a small town. It's predominantly white and Mexican folks. Yesterday at the beach, She full-blown tried to take out a little African-American girl. It instantly broke my heart and made me feel incredibly ashamed. Is my dog racist? I don't mean that to be funny at all. She's never shown any aggression towards any children but this little girl. She was perfectly fine with the girl's dad, didn't pay attention to him at all. Or maybe it was because the little girl was splashing in the water. But my kids splash, and she does nothing. We were walking on a short lead. The little girl was about six feet away in the water playing, and my dog lost her mind. The dog was lunging, growling, totally out of character. Should I take her out more? Like, what do I do so this never happens again? I cannot have a dog that is going to act like that around people. She won't be able to go in public with me anymore if it ever happens again. Oof. First of all, I want to express a little bit of empathy for how this parent feels. Something like that is incredibly embarrassing. Um, but for any of us who have dogs that act poorly in public, that's embarrassing too. So I don't necessarily know that this is any more or less embarrassing than any other um, inappropriate behavior that happens in public. And I want to start by saying that It is really hard for many of us, even dog trainers, maybe especially dog trainers, to separate the dog's behavior from us as individuals. So if our dog is acting poorly in public, how does that reflect on us? Does that mean we're poor owners or guardians? Does that mean that our skills as dog people are not good enough? Are we should we be better? Could we be better um, managing our dogs, right? And in this particular case, I can really understand how this mom would feel that if her dog behaves this way around a child who is not white, like other people in their community, that she might be then judged as being a racist. 
And the fact that she's asking this question leads me to believe that she is not a racist. So I would like to dive in a little bit and talk about how dogs behave in different contexts and what some contributing factors might be to this type of behavior. So I would like to start by saying that a dog at a beach is likely to be experiencing a lot of input. So maybe there's a lot of noise, there are kids playing, there are sounds, it could be hot out, etc. And dogs can experience something that we call trigger stacking. Now, trigger stacking essentially means the same thing as the straw that broke the camel's back. So for a dog who's trigger stacked at your house, different triggers might include the doorbell ringing, the pizza delivery guy coming, your child having a tantrum, construction next door, and maybe a dog nearby barking nonstop for an hour. And each of those little factors may impact your dog so much that cumulatively they're more than your dog can handle. Individually, each of those things may not be much of a trigger to your dog, but as a whole, it's more than they can put up with. Now, when you're on an outing with your dog, it's really common for all of the different inputs that can be happening, including the car ride to and from, etc., that each of those things may impact how your dog is feeling. So in this case, it's possible that the dog was just what we would say over threshold, that the dog has been trigger stacked and was unable to process um, a busy, boisterous, happy little girl who's splashing in the water. It is possible that her skin color in this case was completely irrelevant to the dog's behavior. We could think of it in another way too. There could be the circumstance where maybe something stung the dog right at that moment and the dog acted out coincidentally at the same time that this little girl was close by. It's really impossible for us to say what could have happened in that exact moment to cause that exact reaction to that particular child. Now let's talk a little bit about racism in general and I would like to start off by reading a definition from the Merriam-Webster online dictionary and I'm going to read you two different definitions. The first one is having, reflecting, or fostering the belief that race is a fundamental determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Now, can a dog feel that? No, they cannot. Here's another definition. A person who is racist, someone who holds the belief that race is a fundamental determinant of human traits and capacities, and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. So those again, very similar to one another. Um, Can a dog hold those beliefs? No, I don't believe that a dog can. However, I do not want to dismiss the fact that dogs can act differently towards people who look different and towards people who smell different from what they are used to. So if you live in a community that lacks diversity, that is a more homogenous community, 
there is the possibility that a dog has not been exposed to a variety of types of people. And in that case, it's possible that the dog may be suspicious of something that is different than what they are used to. It's as simple as a lack of exposure. The other thing to consider is that if you yourself might be biased against a group of individuals, then you're less likely to be spending time around that group of individuals. So it is worth it to think about our own potential bias and be honest about that and own it. Our dogs, after all, can be sensitive to how we feel about certain things. They're excellent at reading body language since that's a common way that they communicate with one another. So if they feel that we're tightening up or tensing or holding our breath in any set of circumstances, it's possible that they will act in a certain way in response to that. Now, another thing to consider is that different cultural differences with different types of people might impact how your dogs respond to certain people, especially, again, if they're unfamiliar with those. So, for example, if your dog encounters someone with a long beard or wearing a gown or a head covering, including hats, by the way, even a cowboy hat can startle many dogs, then it's possible that your dog may react in a way that is unfamiliar to you and even unfamiliar to them. So one way that you can integrate a variety of different types of people into your dog's early socialization period when they're young is to go out and about and be really intentional about places that you go so that your dog can take in a variety of different types of people. Locally around me, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and so we're a very diverse community here, but I like to take my puppies or puppies that I am fostering, for example, or even clients, to places like Home Depot, because in that type of a venue, we see people of all ages, shapes, and sizes. There are people wearing uniforms for work um, of all different types, hard hats and baseball caps. We see the workers in the store who are all wearing aprons. We see people pushing different types of carts, driving different types of vehicles, etc. So Home Depot, in our case, is a really interesting, diverse type of place to go where we can see a variety of people that the dogs may or may not have seen before. It's hard to find another place where so many different people are wearing different types of uniforms all in one place, for example. You may see a similar type of reaction to your dog if you live in a place that has seasons because a dog who is raised in the summer may be very surprised or fearful in the winter when people are wearing layers of puffy clothing with hats, possibly facial coverings to protect their skin from harsh winter weather. So again, you can role play, you can play dress up, you can put on weird outfits and things of that nature so that your dog can get used to seeing things in a low stakes environment, maybe even in the privacy of your own home, which might guard you against some of the embarrassment that you may have felt in this particular case. So I'd like to address one final piece of the message that I got, which says, I cannot have a dog that behaves like this. And this is a really common 
attitude. It's a, it's a common feeling, a sentiment that I cannot have a dog that will act like that. And I see it a lot with people whose dog growls if they pick up a treasured item from the dog and they say, oh, I cannot live with a dog who growls or I cannot live with a dog who protects himself. But really, we need to reframe our thought process during that. What we are, I think, trying to say when we say, I cannot have this, is that this is uncomfortable. But really what we need to do is think about what is causing that behavior to happen in the first place. And then we need to put in some effort to helping our dogs feel safe so that they don't behave that way. So saying you cannot have a dog who does this means that we need to do a deep dive. We need to reflect where could this behavior be coming from? How can I adjust my dog's environment so that my dog doesn't feel unsafe, so that my dog doesn't feel compelled to act like that with people? Now, it might be as simple as leaving your dog home when you go to the beach, and that can be a really hard pill to swallow when you got a dog to accompany you on all of your family's outings. But at the end of the day, we need to work with the dog in front of us. And if that dog is uncomfortable being in an environment like that, then it's unfair of us to drag them along with us just because we want to bring them. So mama, I'm really sorry that you were embarrassed by your dog's behavior in these difficult circumstances, but I don't want you to necessarily blame yourself but instead to consider the variety of circumstances that might have led up to your dog's behavior. A lack of exposure in your dog's early days may certainly be a really significant factor in this. And unfortunately, past a certain age, the socialization window has closed. That does not mean that you can't do short, brief outings where your dog is exposed to new things, but I would caution you into being really careful about not overdoing it. We don't want to overwhelm the dog and put them in a difficult circumstance just to try to prove a point and reduce our own discomfort. At this point, I think we need to think about how to help the dog to be more comfortable out in the world, and that may mean staying home if they can't process their feelings in a healthy way for a while. I would encourage you also to work with a positive reinforcement dog training professional who can guide you on how to do this in a safe and structured way so that we are not inadvertently being punishing to our dog by putting them in circumstances that make them uncomfortable. So for example, my son is afraid of spiders, so I would not encourage you to throw him into a room full of spiders as a way to get him used to it. And a really good qualified dog training professional can help you pace work with your dog so that you are consistently getting a positive emotional response out of your dog instead of one that is feeling overwhelmed. So I hope you found this helpful. I'm really happy that you reached out to me. And again, no, your dog is not a racist. And there are a variety of circumstances that could have led to this outburst. I'm glad that everybody is safe and that you are paying attention. Good job, Mama. Tune in next time. Thanks again. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. 
If you're a parent and you would love someone you could talk to about your kids and dogs at any time and be part of a great community of other like-minded parents, please visit www.safekidsanddogs.com so you can learn more about the Pooch Parenting Society. If you're a dog professional and would love to build your confidence working with families who have children and dogs, I would love to invite you to join the Pooch Parenting Coach Collective. To get more information or to join the waitlist, please visit www.safekidsanddogs.com coach dash collective. I would love to have you inside the community so that you can say yes to more clients. Take care.